Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Third Estate Podcast, where we talk about anything finance and whatever else comes to mind. And today we're going to talk about something extremely hot topic that everyone's heard of, an ongoing and engaging story about Reddit, hedge funds, Robinhood, and of course, the people. I'm your host, AJ Abarca, with my co-host, Anton Bolich, and our guest joining us today is Josh Gordon. Josh, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? AJ, Anton, thanks for having me on. So a little bit about me. Uh, my name is Josh Gordon, and I currently run a mortgage company in Santa Rosa, California. I have an office as well in Sacramento, California. And uh, previous to the mortgage industry, I actually was in the Air Force. And um, so ended up transitioning out of the military into the financial world and find it fascinating and excited to be here and see how I can help. Awesome. Well, glad to have you here today with us, man. So um, you guys, I don't know if you guys have heard it all, but they're calling everything that's going on um, the start of the French Revolution of Finance. And, you know, being the Third Estate podcast, there, I was telling Anton, there's just no way we could pass this up and not do an episode about it. So explain to me, guys, what is the Third Estate? So the Third Estate uh, is basically tied to the Estates General, which uh, for France uh, in the medieval era, it got started in the Middle Ages, but it was basically their version of the English par- Parliament. But France was more of an absolute monarchy, so it didn't get called very often. And so at the beginning of the French Revolution, it got started because the people were calling for change to happen. And so the Estates General was called, and the Estates General was three branches basically it was the nobility the clergy and then the bourgeoisie merchant class basically the common people and so uh, the third estate was basically the representation of the common people in france and so that's kind of what uh, when we've created this podcast we wanted it to be a little bit of a voice and speaking to people that don't have access to the higher uh financial advice that, you know, hedge funds and those larger institutional companies um, have available to them. So just an educational piece. Yeah. I mean, I noticed a lot of times, sorry, Josh, um, some of the finance podcasts that we listen to, or, you know, anytime you listen to the news, it's, it's always financial experts and stuff. Right. And I've heard just throughout my career, a lot of financial experts saying this is what the people this is what the people are asking this is what you know the retail investor are asking to myself i i would rather hear from that kind of individual the quote unquote the common people or the retail investor of what it is they're actually asking rather than a financial professional telling me that right why don't you ask me your questions and what you're really interested in learning about so that's why we we went with this the third estate so it's a podcast for the people. Um, like I said, we talk anything about finance and um, yeah, just excited to have you here. So what you guys are saying is you're speaking to a bunch of common folk like me. Is that right? <laughs> Come on, Josh, you just, you just flexed in front of everyone saying you run a, a more so, uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'd like to actually just start with you really. And like, what is your perspective of of everything happening with with GameStop, do you own any? Have you been participating? You just spectating? What's your yeah, thoughts? You know, I yeah, obviously, like many people out there, I wish I would have participated a little bit. Traditionally, when I see things that seem too good to be true, I kind of stay away from them. When I started, you know, taking a peek at it, uh, you know, it's like I kind of I kind of warned some of my buddies. Uh, you know, I got some goofball buddies that always are investing all the time and coming into my office and going, "Hey, you think I should buy this stock?" It's Dogecoin. And I'm like, ah, it seems like a little bit of a bad idea. Um, but, you know, hey, sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. And, and this one I did not get involved in. Um, as for what's happened, you know, to me, it seems like the largest case of hypocrisy I have seen in recent times. Um you know, I guess you'd have to say, besides the way the media is controlled, I've never seen one governing body make decisions in such a, a vast overbrushing way that all of a sudden you have hedge fund managers asking for regulations because they're scared of a bunch of Redditors. So it's pretty interesting. I actually think it's great. And I think it's great for free market. And I think that the fact that Robin Hood decided to limit trade orders is an absolute death sentence. 
Um, and I think it's exciting to hear what's going to happen next. You know, I know I'm excited. I'm excited for for tomorrow to to pass by, and. Just so the audience knows, I have no idea as close uh, as I am with Anton, and we are partners for Chimera Wealth. I have no idea what his perspective is. We've been we've been holding off on talking about this topic, so it can be very raw. I, I have maybe a, a bit of an idea what I think he's going to say, but I, I don't actually know. So, Anton, let let's uh let the battle commence. What are your thoughts? <laughs> so, I mean. I, I don't believe in bidding up a uh, a stock that um, is losing money currently to uh, b- bidding up the stock to you know above three hundred dollars a share. I mean, it reached above four hundred. Um, I think it's currently, at least when markets closed on Friday, it was it was above three hundred. But it. I, I agree with Josh on a lot of the f- aspects in terms of it's it's a good thing to have free markets operating, right? If you have a bunch of people, and we're talking a lot of people, banding together to say, okay, we want to take out some short sellers, you know, more power to them, right? Um, I think that they should be able to do that um, without having uh, these exchanges and any regulators coming in and saying, Oh, you know, you can't do that because we don't basically like what you're doing. But at the same time, I think at the end of the day, right, a lot of people are going to end up losing money. I don't think, you know, a lot of these Redditors have been declaring victory because they've, they've have some paper gains right now, but what's going to happen when they all go to sell, right? Once the selling commences, I mean, we saw extreme volatility last week in the action on the, on the price of GameStop, and there's other stocks involved, right? We haven't even mentioned AMC. You know, it's it's not just in one area, but th- those when those when the selling commences, it's going to be brutal. And um, I was talking to Josh uh, last week at the end of the week, and you know, we kind of the analogy that we were using was it's kind of like a a, a Spartacus, you know, slave revolt, right? Where you have a bunch of people that are taking out a couple of Roman legions, you know, in the very beginning of the revolt, but we all know how that revolt ended up, right? And so what I worry about is is a lot of these small investors that are getting in because they're trying to ride that wave of momentum that when the stock breaks down, that they're going to eventually end up losing money. Well, to correct Antone here, I had mentioned 300. Let's give a real visual. And the 300 Spartans that were surrounded by 10,000 of Xerxes slaves. And like I said, maybe those 300 could continue to fight it off for a period of time, just long enough in order to influence their entire army to get on board and destroy the actual army of Xerxes. Because what will happen if the hedge funds decide to all get on board together is they could destroy the Redditors. Because potentially, how I explained it, some of my buddies who are new to investing is, hey, if you have $10,000, you are willing to invest traditionally into, let's say, GameStop. If that stock goes down by 80% tomorrow, you are most likely going to liquidate, right? That would be common consensus amongst most people because you are afraid that you are about to lose the entire 10000 you have set aside to invest. But give the example of a hedge fund, if they go down 80%, what they're going to do is most likely, in my opinion, would be to come back with another 10,000 or another 20,000 and double down on the situation where people get afraid. The retail investor has a tremendous amount of fear where the institutional investor is going to be a little bit more confident in the situation. I don't know. See, that's where I disagree with you. I mean, since the, the pandemic hitting the United States and we've been going into lockdowns, right? The and I really don't like this term. We need to come up with a term. Hopefully, by the end of this episode, we can figure that out using the term retail investor. Um, a lot of people have been stuck at home, right? And they've some professionals have even mentioned they think at not only asset prices have gone into, and this is a topic for another day, but in regards to the stimulus we're receiving, but also because now, well, sports betting has, has is coming back, but people who weren't really involved in too actively in the stock markets, right? They've, they've had the ability since being stuck at home all day to learn. And I, let's be real, like these people aren't stupid. I mean, 
a little bit of back my background i wasn't uh academically educated in the beginning in regards to you know investing and trading and stuff i mean my my undergraduate was in i was pre-med right like i was planning to go to medical school but i i utilized this habit and made it a career um and then eventually getting my cfa so it's like coming from that background i don't these retail investors they're not they're not dumb and i mean a lot of people you've i've been reading some of the message boards recently like a lot of people are talking about oh just hold it ride and die i mean you've been hearing that you've been seeing that also with with bitcoin and i mean to anton's point like i agree with you there will be people who will get severely hurt and that does concern me um what you guys are talking about the 300 um movie or the occurrence uh what i was i was having a conversation the other day with a close friend of mine about he was he was asking my thoughts and i was like you know what this this short period of time just from everything happening right now this short period of time kind of reminds me of uh bitcoin and crypto in 2017 so if you guys recall right like 2017 stock market had a great year bitcoin was going up and then that end you know during the holiday season bitcoin and ethereum all those cryptos icos coming out they just shot up right almost nearing that twenty thousand. i can't recall if they actually reached but and then what towards the end of january it just collapsed of well some regulation was coming people pulling off profits so in my mind just with everything happening right now i can i can see if I'm going to put a probability, I think that's the most probable um, event to occur. But I don't know, man. I've I've been meeting a lot of retail investors, people who are involved in this, and you know, like I said, they're they're not dumb. They know what they're doing. They they are willing. Again, they are willing to risk all of this money to go into it. And then, full disclosure, by the way, I will have to admit I was convinced to go into. Uh, amc and um <laughs> blackberry <laughs> by a friend of mine i will admit i am down this is not my recommendation for anyone listening to this podcast and we'll do the disclosure later on to to buy into these um yes i am down i did go in but i only only spent 500 bucks right like i'm willing to lose all of this it was more of keeping me informed being part of being part of the movement and really i was i was very well convinced by a close friend of mine to to buy some but i did win three dollars so far out of a gentleman's bet because i told him i don't think it's going to go up it's going to go down and what was this on thursday or so when it was when it, it shot up on wednesday and then thursday it dropped and then friday it recovered but it hasn't recovered all the way so see, that's we'll see. Uh, i still have another gentleman's bet going on but that's that's money i'm i'm willing to to throw away right um i mean and i don't it, think it, what ahead. i would say is i was i was big into crypto in 2017 i mean i actually was just telling you guys earlier before we got on the podcast i got the down payment of my house from ethereum so you know I, but the thing is that i worry about where we're at right now with these new investors. And I want to say new investors with people that have maybe been participating in the market for the last three to four years. Participation is extremely important, but the expectation of these outlandish returns is something I'm concerned about. So what happens when we go into a bear market? Is everybody just going to not participate anymore if they cannot get a 1000% a, a gain in three months. Like what is the expectation for the future? And how are people going to be able to have themselves fulfilled when they have been taking part in this beautiful, amazing bull run we've had for essentially 10 years? So oh, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. But I don't I don't what I'm saying is that's not just the retail like look at the hedge funds, right? Look at the short interest on GameStop, right? Like the short interest on GameStop prior to all of this is just ridiculous. Like yeah, but that's some that of these risk models should have been flashing and saying, okay, we should not. I mean, Melvin Capital lost what fifty three percent in January um, on bad trades like GameStop coming out from the Wall Street Journal. So it's like it's not just the retail or the common investor that that loses money extremely so everybody's hard. Greedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's human nature. Come AJ, on. AJ, that, there's a difference though between, you know, Melvin Capital lost 50, 50% because they didn't anticipate 
a bunch of Redditors coming in and taking out their shorts, right? Which, you know, it could have been a hedge fund that did it rather than Redditors, right? But because it's not like this is the first time a short squeeze has happened. But my point, so you mentioned uh, a mo- couple moments ago about how you're down on on BlackBerry and AMC, right? I know about of, of at least six people, and I, there's probably more that I just haven't talked to, uh, that I personally know got in on AMC, GameStop, or BlackBerry. Like They're in one or more than one of these stocks that have been taken out. They all got in, though, just like you, later on in the show, right? So the people who initially initiated this, right? Like you said, they're very smart people and they built a wave of momentum because they knew it took, it would take a lot of people to do it. But then what happened is, is once the price action started going up, you have people that really don't know anything about the company's financials, the fundamentals, or anything about technical trading. And they're just seeing a, a stock skyrocket and, and hearing about people making a large paper returns and they're getting in, right? And so if if you're getting in and the story's already been out there for a couple weeks, it's it's more than likely, in my opinion, too late because a lot of those gains have already been made. And could it go up this next week? Sure. But the people that I know that have got in, that got in, they're all down, right? And and you know, we mentioned earlier that like Robinhood is restricting trading on on like 50 stocks, right? They're restricting. Tra- they might as well say that you can't trade it because I think their restriction is literally you can trade one stock. Like, what's the? Yeah, point it's ridiculous. That? that was my next thing to go into. Yeah, well, that's- okay. What about this though? Okay, so this gentleman's bet, the the friend that I you know convinced me to to buy some shares into this, right? Um, he let's say kind of blames that he lost the first gentleman's bet of the you know BlackBerry, AMC, GME going down because if he said if it weren't for robin hood placing the restrictions on no more buys that day well then i would have lost that that the that the that the amount would still go up it it could be true i i mean we we will never know but the question then comes down to robin hood right now a lot all right now i have no idea let's look it up to look up that number yeah here um yeah look it up while uh um but let's see if if those restrictions are later lifted. What's not to say? Because people aren't just going into GameStop, right? Like they're migrating into other shares, and there there have been talks in the the Reddit, you know, of saying, "Hey, s- quit spreading out the the money going the capital going into these stocks. Like, do one stock at a time or a very select few. Because if you go into too many, then we dilute, right? We dilute our purchasing power as a as a group of people. Now it's now it's not diluted, but it's restricted because of places like Robinhood. I mean, I think interactive brokers said, well, we won't no longer restrict, but we're going to place limits or just increase our margin requirements. Right. So you have some of the larger and I'm, I, I mean, I've been this kind of person for a long time. I've never been a big fan of Robinhood. We can go into that later on, but I don't, I don't know, man. This is a very interesting time to see if the power of the people, if people continue to hold. Now, I agree with you. There will be a point in time when people will have to pull in profits and say, okay, I've I've had my fun. And that is where we could see a collapse that I'm concerned on. Well, the but, problem is, too, is they're getting into companies that their business models are, this is my one of my big issues with their strategy, right, is they're getting into companies that have broken business models or they're in the middle of turnarounds because their models are broken, right? You know, people, GameStop, people are not going in the numbers that they used to to buy video games at stores, right? At the, at their, they buy them online, you know, through their Xbox or through Steam. They're, they buy online, right? So you're, you're investing in a company that is struggling, and, and the main reason that they made the decision to get into GameStop was because of the short interest, which there was a reason that there was a high short interest. And you brought up a good point. Some of these hedge funds should have realized, all right, maybe we have so much short interest, you know, there's because they're not the only hedge fund in it, Melvin Capital, but or at least was, but they should have maybe thought about the risks that lie there. You know, heavily shorted stocks are more susceptible to a short squeeze, but there's a reason that they were shorting. And then we move on to AMC, right? 
people have been talking about now with streaming. People aren't going to be going to the uh, the theaters because, let's face it, theaters are more expensive now than they ever were. And so they're struggling. I and mean, Nokia, BlackBerry, yeah, so, they're all dying companies, yeah, essentially. So, so when you're making investments in a company like that or companies – that's that is not investing. You know, that is that is basic, especially these people that are making these decisions. They're doing it because they're basically trying to like band together. And well, this is trading. This is this is not yes. investing. This is, right. unless but, you're holding it for a longer term then yeah. Right. These, so these are trades. If you're a leader on the Reddit board, right, who is basically making the decision, you know, make, I have no idea how many there are. Right. Let's say that there's 20 of them, you know, saying, OK, what's our next play? Okay, they're going to get there first, right? And it's it's all the people like yourself or people that I know of who are going to get in way after the fact. Okay, so question for you guys real quick. So when we think of it in that realm, are these Reddit leaders with these millions of followers, is that market manipulation and is that insider trading? Well, no. I mean, it's only insider trading if they're they're part of the companies or, you know, I mean, if, if, if Anton or myself were to post something and tell people buy, I don't know, buy something. I'm not going to put a company out there because if it goes up from this podcast, then we'd be in trouble. We, we would go to jail, right? That would. But the main guy who was, who was trying to get people to buy stuff was a licensed. He had his securities licenses. Mm. The head, the head of all of this, they found out who it was. I forget his name off the top of my head right now. I could find it, but he has a securities license and he was working for an analyst of a company currently right now. And he said that he was the one that started this. I mean, I haven't heard see that. Yeah, yeah, I have not that. heard that either. Yeah. Yeah. Here, I'll pull, I can find it for you guys. Hang on. The, the age of digital technology. 13, 13 million users on Robinhood. That's a lot. 13 million. I mean, it's going to dwindle with everything happening. I mean, let's shift to Robinhood real quick. I've, I mean, I've already said I've never been a fan of the company. At the beginning, it was nice. I understood, you know, their business models, the, the whole zero commission off trades. But once you had these larger players, Schwab, Fidelity, you know, TD Ameritrade, which is now part of Schwab, interactive brokers and stuff, offering the same thing that that barrier or that moat that they had, it just kind of diminished. Other than the the user interface or the UX experience that they had right on. It's very easy to trade on Robinhood um, just right off your cell phone. But I don't know. Any thoughts on that? I mean, let's face it, right? It, nothing is free. You know, Robinhood, they, they started the basically it's free. People need to realize what they were doing is, is they're selling the, the info that they gain from all the people using their, their platform and they were selling it to financial institutions. So nothing is ever free. Um, I've never been a fan because I, I knew that there's no such thing as a free lunch, and you know you have to be you have to n- do some research into uh, how is this company making money off of me, right? And it's it's not uh, like I said it's it's a joke that the um, that they've restricted trading. I'm very you know I, I don't agree with the strategy that everybody's employed mainly because the implementation of what they're investing in and the end game, I think of how it will play out. I don't think it will end well for a lot of the people involved, but having said that they should be allowed to take out any short uh, hedge funds that, that they want. And it's, I would almost rather see Robinhood come out and be truthful about it and say, we are restricting uh, we are restricting the um, uh, trading to zero rather than one share. I mean, what is one share? What is that going to do? You might, you're basically, you, they, they said one share because they don't want to say that you can't trade the shares, but buying one share is, is But, but the question is, stupid. why? Why are they doing that? Where are they getting the pressure from? Is it from regulators? Is it from other hedge funds? Why is Robinhood stopping this wouldn't it be beneficial for them to have it keep going doesn't it make them look attractive that people are trading on their platform so what is what do they win by slowing this down that's what i'm curious about well i mean the the other day robin hood ceo vlad uh, tenev uh came out and saying it wasn't a liquidity problem they're not getting now again i don't know if this is true and obviously there will be investigations into all of this um 
not a liquidity problem. They weren't pressured by hedge funds or anything like that. It was more that they need to make sure that they follow the regular, the financial regulations of, of being a broker for the clearing of all these trades that are just going into their, their system. Now, whether that's true, I don't know. Only time will tell. I don't have the, the knowledge of the system that way. But yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, they had even problems going back to the pandemic when the lockdown occurred. I remember there were a couple of times where the, the, their system wasn't working and people weren't able to place trades. And that was my biggest red flag. I think, Anton, you and I were talking about this a long time. And I was telling friends, why would you want to be in something that restricts or prevents you from trading that it broke down in a time like this when especially a lot of our clientele or the people we speak with are younger, like this is the time when, when there's blood on the streets, like this is the time to be greedy, right? And it, But you're prevented from doing that because Robinhood's not working, or in this case, Robinhood is restricting access. I, yeah, I have, I have big problems with this and I get that there could be a lot of people who get hurt from this, but like I, I stressed earlier, like people are not dumb and it's unfortunate there will always be the haves and the haves nots of any trade, right? Zero sum game. But at the same time, you should not restrict people from trading, buying, selling because it's for the benefit of their own good. I mean, we have experience whether it's going into like options trading, into futures or anything like this. There are plenty of disclosures that you need to sign stating i mean i know when i started my accounts with schwab way back in the day i was like okay i want to apply for options trading there's like four levels which which level are you applying for how how much experience do you have like they have information on that i again i don't know how Robinhood does their um process for adding adding investors but i've I don't like people telling me what I can and cannot do, especially when it comes to trading and investing. And that's a, that's a huge problem for me. Right. And that's, um, people, I, one thing that I'm surprised at is, is how people are surprised by all of this, right? Because you almost, what do you mean by surprised? Well, surprised by the, whether it's regulators or these hedge funds coming down on, the regular retail investor, you know, that shouldn't be shocking to anyone, right? I mean, we have so many examples of, of these, uh, let's, we'll call them heavy hitters in the financial industry, um, basically getting bailed out and that, you know, it, it just, it, it shouldn't surprise you. And, and that's why I, I'm not, it didn't shock me at all. Um, I, and that's again, people. When, when I think a lot of times too, when people make these these investment decisions, you need to really think about the plan more than just a step or two down the road. I mean, I think a lot of them they came out and said, "Okay, let's take out these these hedge funds. Let's let's you know these short sellers." But they didn't think, "Okay, what's the reaction going to be?" Right from the hedge funds, and then also from regulators. And maybe it's because they didn't think that they would be as successful as they were. But, you know, I look around and, and this is, again, goes back to uh, the investments that they're making. And that's why I, I would want the security of knowing that if I have to end up holding the stock that I'm buying, I want to make sure it's a good company, right? Because Warren Buffett, you know, he, he was quoted, I don't know how long ago it was. I mean, I know about the quote for at least 20 years. So maybe it was the 90s, maybe it was the 80s, I don't know. But he, he made a statement once where he, he said, when you buy a company, a stock in a company, you need to be comfortable with if the stock market was to cease to operate that for, let's say, 25 years, that you are comfortable holding that stock for 25 years, not knowing, you know, how, how is the you know, company going to do in those, those 25 years financially with, with their returns on, on capital and, and everything else. And then that way, when the stock market comes back open in 25 years, that you're you're going to be feeling fairly confident that your your investment has done well or at least not lost value, right? And there's no guarantee that that can happen. But if you told me right now that I had to hold GameStop or AMC stock for 25 years because it was ceased to trade, 
I'd be sitting here thinking, man, I'm probably going to have zero dollars at the end of the at the end of it because I personally have very little uh, faith in those companies. I yeah, but none of these none of these people that are trading this believe they even plan on holding it for uh, 25 months, let alone 25 years. So I mean, it, it's it's almost like comparing apples to oranges, in my opinion. When you when you compare it like that, these these people are are speculating in, in the opposite way of the hedge funds, hoping that they can pretty much just screw them for fun and then make a profit out of it. Yeah. This is a game for them. No, I know. It's not like they're planning to build their investment portfolio this way. Yeah. Well, and that's they're, where... Yeah, they're gambling, which is, which you know, hey, you can't go to the casino right now. COVID's happening. Here you go. We're going to gamble online, right? Okay. Well, Anton, I have a question for you then. So recently there's been some news going out that Reddit day traders are now turning to silver for their next short squeeze target after being restricted from all these these hot stocks on the trading platforms. Now, you and I have talked about commodities and now I'm kind of beating myself up because I did sell my share uh, silver exposure like last month. Um, what are your thoughts on that then? Them going into a commodity like the SLV? I think it's a better, it's a, I like it better than, than the GameStop strategy or AMC. That's for sure. I mean, we talked about it on the last podcast when we were talking about cryptocurrency. I'm not a fan of cryptocurrency, but I am also not a fan of the dollar. Right. So I, I think, uh, special metal, uh, precious metals like gold and silver have value. And if you told me again, going back to what I just said, if, if you told me I have to hold silver for 25 years i'm going to be feeling very comfortable holding silver for the next 25 years so maybe they're starting to wise up in that regard um on on what their strategy is for their next investment but uh yeah i mean i i, I like it why, why silver over the other precious metals uh well that's what they're choosing i mean if, if they said that they were doing it to gold i would like that play too i mean it's 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 not so, but uh, currently, right now, aren't gold, silver, aren't they at their all-time highs? Essentially, I don't. Think I'm so. I'm looking that up right now. If I can find a reason why they're going into silver and not gold, let me look at the the performance of the two. It's probably because like I said, silver, the price is is less per ounce, so then people that are more re retail investors can buy. Because there's a thing, right? When when the if you bought gold, if you bought ounces of gold right now, right? It's it's basically it's way more expensive than silver. So uh, they feel like they could probably buy more shares is my guess. Yeah. But I mean, going in, going into silver, that's, that's just based on your belief for you at least. Right. Um, and again, just want to clarify for everyone. This is not us telling everyone to go into silver for Anton's reasons for you anton you you're going into silver because you think that's your perspective of the of the way the economy could head right so even that's still a bit of a on a technical way bit of a speculation because you're making that investment towards and i mean you can think about that in, in regards to all investments right or trades you typically make a trade or an investment into a company or commodity because your belief is that that value of the that particular asset will grow in the future. Now, as we all know, that could be right or that could be wrong. Right, but that's a fundamental basis behind my investment, right? It's not, oh, I'm, in, I'm investing in GameStop and AMC right now because a bunch of other people have already done it last week and they made a killing. So now it's my turn because I think if I buy in, I'll get the same result. You know, I'm not... Well, I, I think something that happens now too that's interesting. I mean, first off, we all need to keep into consideration Anton is a massive pessimist uh, and believes the whole world's going to fail. So <laughs> oh, let's, let's, let's remember that. Let's take everything at it, you know with a half full, right? That Anton says. So, um, but looking at it, I, I, I don't, it's just such an interesting time right now with how people are investing. Essentially, everything operates this way. We are living in a trend central world. Like something is trendy. It's, it's immediately all of a sudden everywhere on your phones, on your computers, on your TVs, in your face right now. And then what happens to it? It disappears. And nobody ever hears about it again. It never made sense in the first place. So what's going to happen with this, in my opinion, is it's going to be really crazy for the next, let's just say, 10 more days from now. 
And then all of a sudden, you're not going to hear about it at all is what's going to happen. Mm, I might right, I might have to disagree with you on that. Um, I get I, I get where you're coming from and I thought about it, but it's uh, I mean, I, the the talk, it'll be kind of like similar to Bitcoin, right? Where, again, 20 end of 2017, where everyone's talking about it, but it'll it'll be here to stay just not as a magnitude that the news media basically they get tired of it. Right. I mean, just think about it in regards to investing and trading and just the age of digital technology that we're in. We, even as advisors, Anton and myself, compared to, you know, 10 years ago, like everything was less, less technology. Now the technology that we have at our fingertips, I don't think it's, it's a one or the other, right? There's still a bit of a, there's a technical component and then there's still the, the art or the subjective component. Think about when you do a, you know, a, a forecast, Right forecasting you have no real genuine idea of how the growth of a company is going to make you make assumptions and then based on those assumptions that you have then you can roll out a financial model right the the same applies with trading where now everything like you just said everything's at your fingertips people have access to information right in their cell phones everyone does I mean, if you want to get some of the the special Bloomberg terminal and pay, what is it like, twenty eight grand? Sure, you could do that. But I mean, for the most part, you can you can get away with with what's out there. I think, in my opinion, this this will stay. It's just people have now been opening their eyes with the times that we live in, uh, in regards to what they have access to and how powerful they are as a, as 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 we are as a people, right? For one example, um, whatever political party you affiliate yourself with, I'm not saying good or bad, you can say that could be one of the good things that came out of the the Trump administration or even the, the not this last election, but the, the, the election back, right? Where his use of Twitter and everything going on, right? It, it made the exposure of the US political system a lot grander people actually started paying attention on both sides right again regardless of what side you were on you actually started paying attention you had a concern realizing you know what i am an american a u.s citizen i should probably pay attention to american politics and how this influences my life the same can be said with these hedge funds going into i mean we already knew there's information being scrapped from like twitter uh, Facebook, because I've met some of these companies where you can utilize their service and they'll tell you what companies are trending, what public companies are trending on social media sites. And you know what? These message boards on Reddit, that's just going to be another tool in the toolbox of how people assess companies, right? Because what what raises the price of a stock? It's people buying into the shares, Right. And if you can see, okay, people on Reddit, they're interested in going into XYZ company, right? Well, that would give you one, one variable to consider when evaluating a company. So I don't think it's going to leave. I think it'll stay. It might not be the, the huge attention that we're seeing right now, but I don't think it's going to go away at least maybe a little bit in regards to the magnification, but not, not permanently, not for good. So I found this guy real quick. His name's Keith Gill. And he is the one that was behind the Reddit craze. Yeah, initially. but it looks like he he used to be in the industry. I don't think he was active. Is it saying that he was actively licensed when it happened? I don't Cuz that's a big that's a very important. He's got his qualifier. So he, so he actually has his 20 he has his 24, his 7, his 65. His oh, 63. Roaring Kitty. Yeah. yeah, I actually follow him on YouTube. Yep. I believe he is actively working for somebody currently right now. Was no amateur trader. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to look more into his backstory. I've I've heard some of his videos and I've enjoyed um, watching them in regards to just entertainment and a little bit of educational or just getting someone else's perspective i mean anton you and i talk about peter schiff for example i don't agree with everything that he comes on his podcast sometimes it can be a little lengthy but it's nice to get another person's individual's perspective um 
but yeah, I'd have to look into this if he's actually claiming. Well, we'll have to talk about that in the next episode, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. your your point that you just brought up about people being more engaged, and Josh's point that I'm a extreme pessimist. I mean, let's 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 be clear, right? People are getting more engaged because life for the regular person in America has been becoming increasingly more of a struggle, right? I mean, that's that's the last, basically, maybe since the 08 drop. I mean, I don't. It, it, that'd be more of a conversation of maybe debate as to when that started. But we do know that for a lot of people, life has gotten a lot tougher, right? And COVID definitely uh, made that uh, even more so, you know, just another domino. And when I look at this, this action where people are trying to boost the stock, right? Like you said, they're trying to stick it to these uh, hedge funds and these financial institutions because they've had enough, maybe in combination with the fact that they, they can't gamble and it's just a way for them to say, you know what? Who cares? I'm going to toss some money at this, see if it if it sticks. But the other aspect to this, and this ties in to what we were talking about with the crypto and the, and the dollar, right? Is there's so many dollars floating around in the economy now, right? That that people, there are some that have a struggle to find good investments because you have so many different asset classes that have just gone up, up, and up. And so I don't know if 20 years ago that this something like this would have happened, especially to the companies that it that it's happening to without the that combination of factors, right? And when I take a step back, my pessimistic attitude now, I don't know if that's maybe the right word but also just more a more cautionary on my outlook is because I take a look at things and I say okay why are all these things happening and what what does this potentially uh, indicate for the future beyond just tomorrow and the end of this year and next year you know it, it, what what is that theme so because I think a lot of these things I agree with AJ that I don't think that this is going to be gone in 10 days, but I don't necessarily think that this specific action will still be here down the road. It'll maybe morph into something else, into the next thing. I don't know what that'll be, right? Because they were talking about comparing this to the Occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street happened, and then we haven't really had that. It was like, oh, it happened. Well, I mean, it happens with every recession, right? You have a social economic unrest. Right. with a recession because you you find out okay these are the haves and these are the have-nots and this basically could be yeah the next occupy the next french revolution i mean i want to i want to pick on you a little bit anton so i mentioned silver and Bring you said on. you would like you would like them going into the slv rather than these stocks so talking in regards to an investor or trader aspect now i don't know your allocation right but i know you are bullish on commodities and we've been talking about you building on that because of this part of uh information right that reddit reddit day traders are considering short quote-unquote short squeezing silver would that be a pro variable in your thought process into buy more slv um well actually it's interesting i i don't actually own any slv anymore um but i do have some positions in some uh mining plays i mean it probably would obviously if they drive up the price of silver i'm assuming that it is very likely that that will affect in a positive way the uh slv you know etf that tracks that is meant to track the price of silver um but you know, I'm just I'm very bullish on on the um, that that the precious metal plays. Just I get you're of- bullish. I get you're bullish. I, I I know that we've talked about it plenty. I'm asking though, would this be a pro variable of like, okay, there are a lot of the Reddit, the Reddit wave. Let's call it the Reddit wave. They could push the price up. So in your mind, is that something you would evaluate in your? Um, risk metrics and and um you know model of okay you know what this would be a good time to buy in i'm talking about you specifically just because of how cautious oh how um, pessimistic you are i mean uh i think it would it would make me more bullish to not i wouldn't buy slv um because I, I i i like a couple of other areas um 
on a long-term basis better. But um, obviously I think them doing that will affect those other plays in a positive way. And, uh, but again, I don't, I don't invest for a 30 day spike, right? So I don't, I'm not looking at things to say, Ooh, I'm going to get in and try and necessarily capture. Now, if you gave me a two week advance notice that the Reddit group was going to go ahead and, and spike SLV. I'm giving you a day, bro. A day. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what will happen tomorrow, but I might take a risk. I, I think I just put in my, uh, my email chain, go look at SLV tomorrow, 8 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's what I'm getting to, right? Because like I said, I think what's happening on Reddit, what's happening on social media that would influence, you know, individuals on that would be one of the variables they would consider when placing trades or investments. So I'm asking you specifically, would that be a variable you would consider? I mean, yes. Okay. So yes, I guess not to bounce around on that. Yes. It's something that you would consider, but I think too, when it comes to trading, and just investing in general. I think that people, we need to make sure people realize that it's very important that being there first matters, right? Because again, if let's say I wake up tomorrow and SLV is just shot up because a bunch of these people got into the stock before I, uh, or the ETF before I had even woken up, right? That that makes me that makes for me personally it makes it less likely that I'm going to get into it because you know they've already driven the price up and it makes it uh, just less attractive to me if it's already happened and I think a lot of people don't realize the the implication of that and that's why when people were jumping into AMC and um, uh, I think um, GameStop. You know, after the fact that it had already happened, that was a that's a that's probably why a lot of them are down. At least the ones that I know are down right now because it it was already too late, and it, it may it, they they may keep going right. So they may find somebody else that'll jump in, you know, after them that'll drive the price up. But what if it's one of your gold miners that or not gold miners, but one of the miners that you mentioned that you have exposure to, and you knew it advanced. Oh, I'm just I mean, trying to get you. Oh yeah, yeah. So w- if, would would that somebody, be an indication of like you know what? Okay, I know this will probably happen sometime this week. I'm gonna add buy. I'm gonna buy more shares. Yes, you would. You would consider it, that. I would consider that. But just so people know, I don't just only buy things just because a bunch of a Reddit group is gonna say that uh, <laughs> they're gonna get into a, something that I own. Well, Anto needs to tell you too. He also does not know how to operate the Reddit Reddit online page. So. <laughs> And he does not have Reddit, nor Instagram, nor TikTok, nor any social media for that matter. So he does not know what's going on with some social media. He's got a LinkedIn. That's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's what got about, his what about the flip side? And his silver bets. That's why, that's why I know you people. You guys can keep me up to date. What about, what about the flip side of that trade then? Like, would you consider selling your position if you knew, re- like, let's say you own... No, no, no. no? Because long-term, it's going to go up. If, if people... If people are going to drive the price down of something that I think has value, I'll just buy more. Some Josh is going to find out your holdings and then just post it in public and, and Reddit. Yeah, be like, much. attack these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bring it That's on. Bring it on. Money. To be honest, I'll give you, just to be you know clear with everyone, I actually, there's some holdings that I have that I wish would go down right now because I want to buy more and the prices are up to a point where it's like, eh. I want to see what's going to happen, but I, I do think eventually they're going to go a lot higher. So maybe that means I should be buying more right now and not trying to time things a little bit. But uh, there's stuff that I, I wish I had bought a lot more of um, earlier uh, last year in 2020 that I didn't, I was a little too slow on the trigger. So um, yeah, I hope it goes down. I mean, I would love that. So question for you guys, do you think at the end of the day, there's going to be more loss on the hedge fund side from this whole thing or from the individuals that are trying to boost GME and AMC. On a cumulative dollar amount. Yes. Is what you're saying. Who do you think will lose more of their investment? Anton, I'll let you go first. Um, you just broke his mind. He doesn't know. <laughs> I don't. I think that there's definitely more people than hedge funds that are going to lose. But from a cumulative dollar perspective, 
Um, because I think a lot of the hedge funds that have that have that will have losses have already had their losses realized um, because they've had to close out their short positions. Um, but I also think that once this finally tops out, there's going to be a lot of institutional money that's going to be shorting this on the way down, and they're going to make a lot of money. So uh, I think the hedge funds will be net washed out, maybe on. A- so we, a question: Would you? short GameStop at this point? Uh, I, I won't be, I don't think I will at least um, because I don't know how long this is going to go because to AJ's point, I think that this is an ongoing uh, action by a lot of people and we could have a lot more people. This, this could go up, you know, let's just say the price right now, it's just above $300. You know, we'll see what happens where it opens. Yeah. So it could go, back up above 400 it could go up above 500 right i don't know that and i don't have the capital but is it at a point where you guys think okay it's realistically speaking is it going to get to a thousand most likely not so you're right now it seems like this would be the time that you would almost want to short something like gamestop but right wouldn't that you could you could yeah the the issue with that right is i mean you the whole point of the short squeeze is you have these margin requirements that you need to, you know, provide the capital. And so you can be right fundamentally in the long run. But if the price movement, like we're seeing right now is, is just shooting, rocketing up. Well, that's a short squeeze. You're going to have to fill those positions. Right. So, I mean, I will say in regards to this question, I've been looking at puts, um, on GameStop because yes, I don't, I mean, on a fundamental value, fair value of this, I don't believe GameStop should be this uh, pricing that it is, but the, the prices of the options because of the volatility, right? There are multiple factors that go into options prices. It's not just the underlying price of the stock. Um, they're just a little rich, but again, it's all, because this is, this comes time. down into, yeah, this comes down into to the market timing and trading where this is this is this goes more into the realm of speculative where you have to be pretty right to make really good money um, on this. So it just is something so I'm looking know, at, but just so people know when AJ said puts a second ago, puts are basically options that if you're buying a put option, you are betting that the stock that it is based on is going to go down. A call option is is that if you're buying a call that you are betting that the price will go up. So when he says buying, you know, looking at puts, that's what he means by so that. So are call options right now cheaper than put options? Um, no, not necessarily. Actually, some of the people on Reddit who have been posting their gains, and I mean, the first uh, Reddit post that I've seen in regards to like the real greatest short burn of the century, I sent this guys to you actually um, a few hours ago to, to read over. It's, I'm not sure if you guys had a chance. It's it's pretty well written out. Um, you know, people actually were buying call options for the upside, not just the shares themselves, right? I mean, that's why you've even seen Robinhood where they're like, we're restricting stocks. You can buy this number of stocks, but also there's restriction, higher margin requirement for the options calls as well. So going back to your first question on a cumulative dollar amount, I still think it will be the hedge funds. I mean, Melvin Capital already lost, what is that, 53% and they were down. The run. The fund is now running at $8 billion when they were down from 12.5 at the start of the year. So, right. you know. Uh, how, how much in billions are the, the people putting in? I'm not sure if it's the same amount. So... Now, ultimately, well, be- more people could be affected than the hedge funds. That I could agree with, but I think on a dollar amount, the hedge funds will will be the losers in this. I think I think I wouldn't be surprised. Let's put it this way: I wouldn't be surprised if the hedge funds are the losers on the GameStop stock, but people are losers more on the AMC side and some of these other um, other companies. Uh, it's It'll be interesting. I, I don't, but again, it's, it's gambling. Like we've kind of already said this, it's gambling. A lot of people are taking some risks and you better, I think a lot of people better be taking a hard look and being comfortable with, they better be comfortable knowing that they might be the ones who don't end up with a positive gain, which 
Like I said, I, I, I know so many right now that are in the in the red on their positions on those stocks. What I think is just great is that you know that there's this many people that are interested in the market. And exactly. you know, Engaging. even on Instagram, I have seen so many memes flying across like, you know, people people mentioning you know, I wish I knew about trading so I could be involved in this. And this is a huge opportunity, I think, you know, on the financial advising side where, you know, you can really help create some sense of financial literacy to these people that are just so much, they, they need it. There's so many people out there right now that want to have answers to their questions and they don't know who to ask. And that's why I think it's like really interesting. Everybody wants to be a speculator. Everybody wants to think they know about stocks. Everybody wants to understand cryptocurrencies. But the truth is, if you wouldn't ask them 10 simple questions about any one of those fields, they most likely would say they don't know right? But they have money that they want to invest and they want to make sure that they're going to be in line or at least have the opportunity to be in line to participate in the next big thing. Yeah. Thanks, Josh, for the promotion. And so if you have those questions, (laughs) send us an email. (laughs) That's the whole point of this podcast is to answer people's questions and help help educate and learn. So, um, but yeah, on that note, anyone have some final, final, thoughts or questions that they want to address and we will probably have a part two of this just because i'm really excited to see what's going to happen this week how the saga continues but who wants to end this final note today i'll say i'll I'll close uh i'll close thanks for having me guys uh i got buys uh tomorrow morning uh, on silver for sure no just kidding (laughs) um but um you know hey i think this is great like i said overall lots of participation is is awesome um i'm happy the hedge funds get kicked in the nuts a little bit because i think it's good for everybody to have that happen to them and uh hopefully some people get to make some money i mean this is this is cool stuff i agree with that i agree yeah anton you have any final remarks um i just kind of what Josh and, and you both have said. Um, I just, you know, want to be that caution to everybody. Just, you know, make sure you're you're comfortable with where you're at and uh, hopefully just people just be safe out there with what they're doing. Because I I, I do, let's put it this way. If, if you had told me you had so many people interested 20 years ago um, and, the you know, the Federal Reserve wasn't doing what it's doing now with, with print, basically printing money right and left, I, I would be worried that, you know, you get that fervor going in the market, but um, I, I do think it is great that people uh, are taking that interest because we've we've discussed this um, off off mic before, and I've talked with a lot of my friends and whatnot. We need more people investing and saving their money um, because I do think down the road, you know, life for us as Americans is going to get a lot harder because we have a lot of debt in our country. And so it's good, but just make sure you're, you're being a little, don't, don't be taking too much risk out there just to, you know, in the hopes of hitting a grand slam. But I've seen, I remember something, they said only 30% of millennials are participating in the stock market. And so if you can double that potentially, how much more can the stock market go up? And what is the potential upside by creating significantly more participation. I mean, it's it's exponential because they are now the largest population demographic, right? And so that, like what we have potentially coming forward is going to be amazing if we can get these people involved. Yeah, but I I don't want to see the stock market go up just for the sake of the stock market going up. I mean, that was one thing that Trump got a lot of uh, stick for, I think, when he was tying everything to the stock market. And I want to see, I want to see more, uh, positive, e- real economic news, and so when people g- get into the stock market, I- I'd rather see it in in good companies um, that are making money and that are profitable or that have a good, like a strong future. If if somebody's getting into the market right now, again, you can take risks on turnaround stories, and you know, just if you're if you have that capital, or you can say, okay, I'm going to take a small amount of money and do that. That's fine, but. Um, we, yeah, I want to see, I want to see more of like a long-term basis for those decisions. Um, what, I, what I think we should do next time we get on here, because I'm very curious also as why when you hear these good stocks like Antone claims, quote unquote, 
you know, you see things like Goldman Sachs, you know, recently, um, Apple recently, where they're coming out with record quarters, right? Their earnings reports are astronomical. I mean, they've got sitting on tons of cash and yet their stock goes down the next day. I need to help understanding. You keep talking about you want to buy a company that you believe in for 25 years, but I want to make money. So if I want to buy a stock that wins or I want to buy a stock that loses, how do I do that? And where is the benefit coming from? Because I see these other stocks like Peloton or Tesla, where maybe their earnings aren't great. Maybe their track record is not great. But shoot, I can make 50, 70 percent, 100 percent in six months, where if I buy Apple, I'm probably getting one percent a month over 12 months which I guess is okay, but that's not exciting. So I'd love to talk about that next time. Yeah, and that's gonna, you know what? That's our topic for next time then. So on that note, everyone, thanks for listening in. If you have any questions, feedback, uh, anything you wanna be, possibly a guest on the show, feel free to email thirdestatepod, P-O-D at gmail.com. And on that note, here's a quick disclosure before we end this. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this channel as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of opinion. Investments or strategies mentioned on this channel may not be suitable for you. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on information on this channel, you should consider whether it's suitable for your particular circumstances and strongly consider seeking advice from your own financial or investment advisor.